Today's leaders face the challenge of leading five different generations. My guest this week, Mark White, is going to share his research and experiences that address expectations implicit with leading each and every generation that we serve. I had an opportunity really early in my leadership journey to understand that there was a huge difference between the generations that we represented on our campus. I had the opportunity to be able to observe a teacher that was well into 30 years of teaching, and they were having a little bit of trouble in their classroom, and I got to observe just the wonderful tactics that were being used, but also some things that need to be improved. And when I had an opportunity to sit with my principal and this teacher, I shared with them exactly what I observed, which was a lot of teacher-directed instruction. As a campus, we were shifting from more of a collaborative setting for our students, where they had an opportunity to talk with one another and really work on different projects and problem solve, and this just wasn't occurring in the classroom. So I tried to share that as best I could. Unfortunately, the teacher didn't really understand what I was trying to communicate, and I used the term sit and get, which really did not go over very well. And I remember the teacher getting very angry and saying, look here, Sonny, that's not what is going on in my classroom. And I was taken aback by that communication because it was very obvious that this teacher viewed me as a very young leader and that I didn't have the experience to provide the feedback that I proposed. I did some reflection and realized I missed the mark on how I provided that feedback. I think this week's guest, Mark White, does a wonderful job of providing some tactics to help leaders understand distinct generations and how to work with each one of them. We also talk about the advice to create a welcoming environment for our earlier generations, the Gen Z and Gen Alpha, and of course, looking at his new book, Leading Five Generations in Schools. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. I am so excited because this is so valuable as far as the information on what every leader needs to know to enhance their skills. I have the pleasure of having Mark White with me, and we're going to talk about generations. Mark, thank you so much for being on the Aspire to Lead podcast. Well, it's great being here. Thank you. Yeah, Mark, I've heard so many great things. Dwight Carter was actually on the podcast and he was like, you have to have Mark on. He's fantastic. And just the short time that I've been with you, I know what he's talking about. So Mark, will you just share with the listeners about your leadership and educational journey? Yes, uh, I've been in this for about almost four decades now. Began as a teacher. I've taught at the middle school level, high school level, mainly high school English been an assistant principal, principal, assistant superintendent, superintendent. I have worked at uh, all levels as an administrator. After I uh, retired as a superintendent, started filling in here and there. I worked in the inner city. I worked in suburban schools, rural schools. I've also consulted across America, I say from New York to LA and lots of spots in between. About the last six years, I've observed around 3,000 lessons and all levels all over America. And I've trained thousands of people in various formats from keynotes to in-person all day to online. And so uh, I've just picked up a lot. I, I feel blessed. It's like I've gotten this weird master's degree in American education so I can see what's going on coast to coast and see how it's different, how it is similar. I love it. You have such a vast knowledge and experience, and uh, I'm so grateful that you're on the show. So I want to dive in real quick. Your book, uh, Five Gen Leadership, Leading Five Generations in Schools in the 2020s, 
And I'm so curious about just the topic. I mm -hmm. remember becoming a leader very early in my career. I was I was 30 when I started in my leadership journey, and I was having to work with folks that were in their 50s and 60s, and they were in <laughs> education for like 30 years, and I was trying to help them, and I could definitely tell there was a, a generational gap um, with that experience. And so um, I just want to know kind of what your book is about and, and help that as kind of our guide for our conversation today. Yeah, well, how this came about is I was training some teachers one day in deep South Texas, so about 50 elementary teachers. I was doing this generational exercise to try to help people understand their generations. So some obstacles they have to overcome to, um, to understand our two generations today, Gen Z and Gen Alpha in our schools. And so I had these groups broken up into four generations, the boomers, the Xers, the millennials, the Gen Zers. And a lot of people don't even realize yet we have Gen Z in the teaching staffs. A lot of administrators don't get, oh, they're, they're not millennials. No, they're Zers. That's a little bit different. Alphas are different in the elementary levels. Anyway, at the end of this exercise, I asked these three young Gen Z teachers, hey, I put them on the spot. They were new newbies. I said, if you could change PD, professional development, what would you do? And they kind of hemmed and hawed and everybody kind of laughed. Oh, we put them on the spot. And, I, and one of them said, you know, I wish sometimes that everybody would just leave us alone and let us go figure it out. And that hit me like a thunderbolt. I say that she plunged a Gen Z knife into my baby boomer heart, you know, as a trainer, <laughs> because it, I knew that things were changing. You said, you know, you were picking up on it. I was, we had these boomers who didn't like to use technology. You have to show them everything. I'm a boomer. Here's what it looks like. Here's what I want you to do all the way down to the Zers who've been figuring it out their whole lives. You know, when they get a new phone, when they play a new game, when they open a new app, a new social media stream, they don't read directions to figure it out. But that's what the older people do. The Xers and the boomers were doing that. And so I noticed in my training, that's it. And so what it's done is it's changed the way I approach training and how I approach staffs. And if I were leading schools today, one of the first things I'd be looking at, and I tell people this is, what is your staff made up of? If you're a top heavy staff with a lot of seniority, you've got still some boomers left and Xers, Xers now are a lot of in the upper level positions as are the millennials moving in. What, what does your staff look like? Is it top heavy or is it a lot of new people coming in? What kind of friction are you having? How's the communication? How's the technology? What are you seeing? That all shows up in the generations. You know, looking at the makeup of my schools within the last five years, it was very diverse as far as new grads coming out of school, not even being in the classroom at all to those who have been, like I said, in, in the classroom for up to 30 years. So, you know, what are some big differences in the generation's in education and what do we need to know about as leaders to help them be successful in schools? Here's one of the biggest new gaps and I call it the internet generation gap. If you look at when the internet was coming in in the 80s and 90s, we had our boomers and Xers growing up for the most part without the internet. You know, the internet really started hitting the households in the 90s and the early 2000s, okay? So a lot of our Xers and boomers didn't have the internet. Millennials and Gen Zers had the internet, and that has made all the difference because the internet sped things up. And if you go back and look at Moore's Law with the processing speeds, if you look at what's happening with Buckminster Fuller and the doubling of knowledge, it explains why things are getting faster. The boomers and the extras grew up in a much slower world. 
And the Gen Zers and the millennials grew up in an accelerating world. They're used to the change. Some of the boomers and Xers have more trouble adjusting to it. We have to guide them through it more. The Xers, the Gen Xers and the millennials, they'll take off with it. Technology, that's one reason why you see some of the older people, not all, I, I'm a boomer and I use a lot of technology in my trainings and my life. I hardly write anything anymore. They've had to adjust to it. And some of them have said, I don't want to do it. I can't do it. And COVID, as you know, has driven a lot of the boomers out of education. Yep. They've reached retirement age. They've gotten out. You know, I was doing a keynote a couple of weeks ago for a uh, state principals association. And I, in, in my keynote, I have people identify themselves by raising their hands. Are you a boomer? Are you an Xer, a millennial, a Gen Zer? I said, boomers, where are you? 200 people in the room, two hands went up. Wow. Now, there are more boomers than that in the state, but I think a lot of the boomers have gotten out. We have a lot more of the extras moving up. So I think if people, people understand that older people can change, or as I say, more mature people, let's say more mature, not just older, right? right? More mature people can change, but it takes some guidance, a little bit more help from them, from, from the people who are guiding them. So you talked about Gen Z and Gen Alpha. I'll be honest, I've never heard Gen Alpha before. So I just have not. Yeah. So you talked Mm -hmm. about them being in elementary school, but you know, for educators or leaders, you know, that are listening, what is the difference and what is a a Gen Alpha? Okay, a Gen Zer was born from 2010 down to around 1995, and so the Alphas began in 2011, and they were named by Mark McCrindle, who is a researcher in New Zealand. And he's one of the foremost researchers of generations out there. He's really into the marketing side of it, but he writes a lot of really cool blogs and has a lot of ideas about generations. And he named them alphas because he said alpha is the beginning. They came out about the same time the iPads were coming out. And 29, 10, 11s, when we also started getting social media, it's when we started getting smartphones. And I point out to people, it's only been since then that these things have come into our lives. And so the alphas are now up through about fifth or sixth grade. And so we have to understand that they are the true digital natives, the first ones. Yeah, the Zs grew up with a lot of technology, but these kids are growing up with iPads, smartphones, their parents' smartphones. Uh, the Gen alphas will be the first generation to live in mass to see 2100. And I tell people all the time, we can't just look at where we are right now. If we're training, teaching these Gen Zers and these Gen alphas, and the Gen Zers are all the secondary kids up through college. If we are training them, let's not just think about 2022. Let's think about the prime of their lives. I tell people, take the, the age of your student and add 50 years to it, to 2072. How old will your students be then? Many of them will still be in very productive primes of their lives. They will be living through the, the rapid acceleration coming at us by 2030, Imagine 2060, 2070, 2080. Alphas are saying might be the first generation to spend more of its time in virtual reality than in the real world. It's just going to be the passion generation. As you know, technology gets stronger. We have more free time. The Zs and the alphas will have more time as adults to explore their passions, we're hoping. So they're going to live vastly different lives. And so that's why we need today upper levels of rigor, analysis, evaluation, creating for them. They're going to be analyzing, evaluating, creating their whole lives. Rote memorization is going by the wayside. Yep. I think one of the big challenges we have going forward with these generations is what should be memorized today and what shouldn't be memorized. You, you can't not memorize some things. 
but I, we're still doing too much memorization, partly because of the standards, but that's another conversation. But these kids are going to live very different lives as adults. So the alphas are in the elementary schools. Uh, they're going to be more digital. They're going to want more choices, more options. That's what's coming at us here in, in education and as they move up into adulthood, into teaching, into parenting. My mind is blown right now because I'm just thinking of what education is potentially going to be looking like, and it, it's going to look, like you said, vastly different than what it currently is now. And honestly, it's pretty exciting too. So I'm just thinking now yeah. as far as our leadership, you, you said it earlier, mm-hmm. our Gen Z is starting to get into that field and you know, eventually our millennials also. So what are they going to mm-hmm. need to do to prepare education and how should they start changing it for the next decade and for, like you said, Gen Alpha? Excellent question. And this is what is so critical. That's why I named the book Leadership in the 2020s. We are in a decade, I believe, of transition because what's happening is this. As I mentioned, the boomers are retiring. By 2030, 2032, a lot of the Gen Xers will be retired. So we're going to have a lot more Gen Zers and millennials leading our campuses. Now, we have millennials leading campuses now, but imagine when they are teaming up with the Gen Zers, who are even more digital than they are at times. They're going to be much more open, I think, to new ideas. We're going to have more millennials moving into, by that time, high-level positions in district offices. They're going to be, they've lived through changes their entire lives. They don't accept the status quo. They're much more open to new ways of doing things. Let's look at parenting for a second, too. By 2030, 2032, in the next decade, most of our parents are going to be millennials and Gen Z parents. They don't accept the status quo. You hear about people questioning more testing all the time around the country. With with what we know about the rapid changes in society, the growth of knowledge, uh, the devices coming our way, the AI that is coming, I just don't think that they are going to tolerate the current testing system that we have. Not that they don't want accountability and kids educated, but this 20th century model has to be thrown to the wayside to be replaced by one that gets kids to analyze, evaluate, create, do more projects, do more capstones, use their AI, use their wits about them to create new scenarios, deal with new scenarios. And so I think the parents are going to demand change. We're going to have administrators wanting change. AI is going to bring about, I think, really even more changes. You know, I I mentioned that smartphones and um, social media came out around 2010 or so. We didn't see that coming. What's just over the horizon that we can't see that's going to change our lives and change the way we educate kids? It's going to have to change. We cannot keep going like this. Are we still going to be giving these, these kinds of tests in 2040 and 2050? I don't think so. So when are we going to make that change? And I think these generations will lead the way in doing that. And one more thing, I mentioned the internet generation gap a while ago, right? These kids coming up, who are, I mean, kids, these Gen Zers and millennials, they're on the far side of that gap, the good side of the gap, and that they're used to the technology. They're going to be much more accepting of technology, uh, as will all the teachers coming in. So I think we're in a, in for an exciting rebirth of education and what it can look like if the politicians get out of the way and if the politics get out of the way. People want more choices. I don't know of one system, a private school system, a public school system, can serve all the choices that people are going to want out there. So what does that rebirth potentially look like? I mean, you know, looking at your research and whatnot, I mean, 
I can only imagine, you know, the pandemic kind of gave us something that we weren't expecting. And then we had to create a system out of nothing, essentially, to do online learning. And and now, you know, we've got a generation that is very accepting of technology. So I'm curious, yes. just your thoughts about what that rebirth may look like. Well, as as you know, the the pandemic sped up the use of technology in schools in that it got more devices into hands and it got a lot more teachers trained on how to do online training, which also led, I've seen, to more use of digital tools in the classroom. So we're in a better, we're in better shape now. Uh, the internet's stronger in schools than we've ever had it. It keeps getting stronger. The internet is not fully built out yet. It's gonna keep getting stronger. So I think we're on the right path. So I, I just think that more choices is gonna be, for example, at the high school level with juniors and seniors. Are they still going to be in school as for every five days a week, 10 years from now? You know, I, I've told people, and they're, and they're building one in the community community where I used to be a superintendent. I, I tell people who are building a grade nine through 12 comprehensive high school, hey, make it multiple use because in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, if you're still paying for this building, it might be half empty. It doesn't mean that the kids don't want to come to school, but they might come to school three days a week or half a day. We're going to have AI that can let them do other things or what other programs are we going to have? And if we don't offer what these kids want, and we're seeing this already with even more charter schools out there, a new type of school down the street is going to do it. So there are charter schools popping up trying to meet the needs of these young people today. I think we're going to have different types of models coming up in the future that are going to meet the the demands of these parents and kids wanting more choices in how they are educated. I love it. That's so exciting. Definitely wants to see more choice uh, in the educational field. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. Mark, you don't only work with schools, you also work with businesses. So I'm also curious about, you know, how this is translating as far as your research, your book, how's that helping the private sector? Yeah, I recently started taking my five-generation book, and I'm working with a co-author, Sammy Scarpetti, who is a vice president in a firm that does a lot of training of businesses. Hmm. And so we are rewriting it for the business sector. And so I'm taking my research, and she's taking her acumen that she has from dealing with businesses from the business side. And a lot of it is is the same thing. As As a matter of fact, a lot of my research came from what people found about millennial workers. And I had just seen this going on in schools, but a lot of the research is not is from the private sector, not from the schools. And so we are taking these ideas and rewriting it into a book for the for business leaders. So here's what's going on in your teams. You know, you have to understand this about why they're reacting as they do. And so we're finding that the businesses are concerned about their young people. I hear all the time from the older leaders, what is going on with these young workers? And the young workers are thinking, what's going on with these old people? I can't get it. With the OK Boomer movement, right? Remember OK Boomer? Yep. That's the angst that they're feeling. OK Boomer, I got to shake their head. And it's so different today. It used to be we revered the people at the top. And now we're saying if you're at the top, if you can't use technology, can't keep up with all the changes going on, you're out of date. And so we're seeing the same thing going on. One of the biggest fears in business leaders is being left behind, being thought of as a dinosaur. And that, that's a big fear they have. And, and, and back with teaching for a second, a lot of our teachers now, the older teachers used to be the most revered people on the staffs. Now, if they can't use the technology, they feel left behind. 
they feel the same way the business people feel like, whoa, the world has changed. I can't keep up. And the young people will respect them for the, the traits that they have, but they have different ways of viewing the world, different ways of wanting to teach with technology, with the way they keep changing their the pacing, the way they change their variety of tactics. It's just a different world for young people today. Mark, I want to let our listeners know that you are an author of many books. So, you know, we've talked about one specific in this episode, but I want to make sure that they understand that there's other texts and material that you've produced. So would, would you just share real quick some of the other titles of your books? Yeah, thank you. Uh, my first book I wrote with Dwight L. Carter, uh, my good friend and co-author. Uh, awesome guy is a great yes. book. out. be great. And so, um, yeah, we wrote our first book called... Uh, what's in your space. And it was about new types of learning spaces. And when I was a superintendent and Dwight was the high school principal, we led a team that helped design a addition to the high school that was unlike anything anybody had ever built before. And that this was in 2010 through 2012, open in 2012 with soft furniture, bright colors, lots of windows, built for creativity, built for technology, built for collaboration. And when, when everybody, we told people what we were doing, a lot of people thought we were crazy. It was a very scary thing to do because no building had been built like that. It was honored by Scholastic as one of the top education buildings in the world when it opened that year. Uh, We partnered with Dell, Cisco, Intel to really make it all happen. Mm -hmm. They got it. The building opened. The kids loved it. The community saw it. said, oh, now I get it. It worked. And then the second book is Leading Schools in Disruptive Times. And I was talking about just the changes. And Dwight and I were talking about how things had changed since we had begun our careers and what I had seen began, I began teaching in the 1980s. And, and what I got for the educational leaders is they keep piling things on our plates and they don't take anything away. Yeah, Something has to give. And just talking about the disruptions coming at us and trying to get people to understand you have to have a mindset that you have to surf the waves of change because the waves of change are tsunamis. And if you can't get to the top with your metaphor, metaphorical surfboard and surf them, they will wash right over you. And so the best leaders moving forward to the 2020s and the 2030s, they're going to have to keep changing, going to be on those surfboards their whole careers. Nothing's going to remain the same. Nothing's going to remain the same. Yeah, yeah. I love the imagery of that. That's because I think a lot of people feel like the tsunami just hit and uh, they're trying to recover. <laughs> so I think that's a great text and people can definitely associate with that. So, Mark, I love ending the conversation with one question, and I asked all of my you know, guests this, which is if there's one actionable item that our leaders can do tomorrow or next week, what is something they can do to enhance their leadership skills? I think they have to develop a multi-generational lens through which to see their staffs. Instead of looking at it through your own generation, for example, I'm a boomer. Instead of me looking at that young teacher and saying, well, why won't that young teacher stay late like the others and get the work done? Well, the young teacher is very loyal. The young teacher wants to do a great job. But the younger you go through the generations, they more, the more they want, for example, a, a life and work balance. And they'll put the work in at home late at night or something like that and other times. But there are times they want to get away and just go hang out. Yep. And so we have to look at that. Uh, we have to help see life through the eyes of the young people. If there's a conflict going on with an older teacher or with an administrator or something like that, help them understand What's going on with that young, that older person? Why that person is saying that and thinking that? And all these generations in between. Everybody brings a slightly different perspective because of how they grew up, how they see the world, to how they act in the world and see the world today. Mm-hmm. And so if they can understand that, that's going to go a long way in helping them understand and work together and make it through this disruption 
that is going to do so much to disrupt American education, I think, in the next decade. Wow. Such wise words, Mark. I absolutely think this episode is very valuable for our leaders because that is something that every school building is probably dealing with. Because mm-hmm. we have, like you said, all these four different generations trying to coexist in one environment, and it's tricky sometimes. So I just love what you uh, provided as far as advice. How can our listeners connect with you on social media? Yeah, uh, the best way with me is at MarkWhite55 at, on Twitter. And my website is www.markwhitelearning.com. So if anybody wants to look at my website, I have some blogs on there and stuff, some stuff about the books and about what we're doing with teams and that sort of thing. So Mark, real quick, when they jump on your website and they see the services you provide, how do you support districts? Yeah, what I do is I can go in and do keynotes talking about this, uh, helping people shift their mindsets. Uh, I also do follow-up coaching. I mentioned the need for high rigor. And, you know, I can go in and analyze, coach a teacher, coach an administrator on how to look for rigor. What is rigor? People don't always understand what rigor is. And not just knowing it, but saying you need to do it because of what's coming, like I said, in 2072. So I provide coaching. I provide keynotes. uh, I can do all sorts of training for them. So I enjoy working with all kinds of educators. You know, it's still my passion. I am so blessed in that I have found early in my life that I wanted to be an educator. And so uh, I'm I'm still doing it, still going strong here, still have a long way to go. So I'm happy to help out any way I can. Well, all those school districts are very fortunate to have you. And uh, for those who want to connect, make sure that you check the show notes. We'll have all those links, his website, social media accounts will be on the show notes. And of course, all of Mark's books. So make sure that you connect and make sure that you get these fabulous resources as soon as possible. Mark, it has been a pleasure to speak with you this evening. I'm just so honored that you took the time to share the research that you have and about all the different generations and how leaders can enhance their skills with the generational gap. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me.